0: If we do lose at Parliament, we will still end up at the Supreme Court. So one way or another, we're ending up at the Supreme Court. Why not find out what the elected representatives stand for? Is it equality or is it not? Their right won't have an impact on my right.
1: People standing on the benches and and, uh, dancing a little bit because it's a limited space, so you have to be very careful. Sometimes people miss the bench.
2: Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine, I'm Greg Gordon. Joe Biden stands for all human rights at the UN General Assembly, recalling the muddy road to Canadian marriage equality and how Munich Oktoberfest developed a fetish for gay men. Those stories and more this week because you've chosen This Way
3: Out. i'm ava davis and i'm marcos najera with news Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting lgbtq communities around the world for the week ending september 23rd 2023 delegates to the general assembly of the united nations met in new york city this week u.s president joe biden countered the hostility to lgbtq equality some world leaders brought to the podium by recalling the Universal Convention on Human Rights. He called on all people to honor that 75-year-old commitment.
2: We cannot turn away from abuses, whether in Xinjiang, Tehran, Darfur, or anywhere else. We have to continue working to ensure that women and girls enjoy equal rights and equal participation in their societies. That indigenous groups, racial, ethnic, religious, minorities, people with disabilities do not have the potential stifled A systemic discrimination, that the LGBTQI plus people are not prosecuted or targeted with violence because of who they are. These rights are part of our shared humanity. When they're absent anywhere, their loss is felt everywhere.
3: Turkish President Rajib Tayyip Erdogan embarrassed himself in the UN spotlight caused by his own homophobia. He told the press back home that he planned to lodge a complaint with Secretary General Antonio Guterres about pride displays, according to Reuters. In Erdogan's words, One of the issues that bothers me the most is that when entering the United Nations General Assembly, you see the LGBT colors on the steps in other places. How many LGBT are there in the world right now? However much right they have on these steps, those against LGBT have as much right as well. Those colored rainbows are not queer rainbow flags, Your Excellency. They're the 17 colors that represent the UN's Sustainable Development Goals Summit held earlier in the week.
4: The Nigerian 69 were finally released on bail this week. They've remained in jail since an August 29th raid in the country's Delta state, which initially captured more than 200 men and women. Authorities trumpeted the arrest for allegedly conducting or attending a same-sex wedding which is specifically outlawed in the East African nation. The 69 jail defendants were forced into a televised perp walk. They each face up to 14 years in prison. All of them should be out this week, according to their lawyer, Ochuko O'Himor. He told CNN they need a surety who will show evidence of income and they must be a resident within the judicial division. Then the defendants have been ordered to sign a register once a month until their next hearing, but it's not clear when that will be. State prosecutors wanted all of them to be kept behind bars, but a high court in Wari set bail at 500,000 naira each, about 650 U.S. dollars. Attorney Ohimor is feeling the heat. He told CNN, I have been scandalized. Some say I'm a gay lawyer and that's why I'm defending them. People look at me with disgust. standing for them.
3: A Hong Kong court has ordered the legal recognition of both lesbian moms on the birth certificate of a baby boy born via reciprocal IVF. Judge Queenie Oyong at the Court of First Instance ruled that the government's refusal to recognize both women as co-parents was a form of discrimination against the couple's baby son. The family was granted anonymity by the court the couple legally married in South Africa. There, one woman's egg was fertilized externally with donated sperm, and then the other woman carried the pregnancy to term. Hong Kong authorities recognized only one of them as the baby's single mother in 2022. Judge Oyong declared the unrecognized co as a parent-at-common law. In her ruling, she wrote, The court should be astute to the changing world where people build families in different manners than through a married or heterosexual relationship. Hong Kong's Department of Justice told Agence France-Presse that it was studying the judgment in detail and considering the way forward. Lawyer Evelyn Tsao represented one of the women. She called the ruling one giant step for the rainbow families in our LGBTQ community. A lesbian
4: couple in South Korea welcomed their daughter Ronnie on August 30th. The Korea Herald calls birth mom Kim Kyujin the country's first openly lesbian woman to give birth. Kyujin legally married Kim se in New York in 2019. She received IVF treatment in Belgium. Same-gender couples are not allowed to legally marry in South Korea. Only Kyujin will be legally recognized as the birth mother. Earlier this year, the government did decide to allow health insurance rights equal to married heterosexual couples. Kujin says the couple wants their story told to prove to the country how ordinary same-gender couple-headed families are. In her words, There are so many types of parents in Korea who are marginalized from the majority, not just lesbians, but low-income parents, parents with physical disabilities, multicultural families, divorced families, and single parents should we all be banned from raising children? Discrimination against specific groups makes a society discriminatory as a whole.
3: September 20th marked the 12th anniversary of the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. The U.S. Department of Defense observed the occasion by announcing a new initiative to upgrade the discharges of queer service members who were booted from the military under that dustbend law. The PAFTA, to removing the dis from dishonorable will be smoother. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin told the press that the Pentagon will encourage all service members and veterans who believe they have suffered an error or injustice to seek correction to their military records. It's no coincidence that queer veterans filed a class action lawsuit against the Pentagon last month for allegedly failing to remedy ongoing discrimination, including biased language in the discharge papers of LGBTQ veterans.
5: We know the task remains unfinished.
3: Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks.
5: More work remains to reach every veteran whose life was impacted by Don't Ask, Don't Tell. This outreach campaign will be online, by email, by mail, through nonprofits and veteran service organizations, and more. It starts today with a new online resource on defense.gov.
3: That's... Defense.gov. Finally, the apportion bill
4: banning Judge Matthew Kazmarek made news again this week. This time, the Trump-appointed Christian nationalist U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas jurist launched an unhinged attack on family-friendly drag shows. His ruling upheld the right of West Texas A&M University to ban the queer and ally student group Spectrum WT from hosting a drag show on campus. The event was a benefit for the Trevor Project, a nonprofit suicide prevention group for LGBTQ young people. The university is located just south of Amarillo in the Texas Panhandle. Kazmarek's ruling rejected constitutional free speech arguments referenced by other federal judges in generally conservative courts. Enforcement of similar family-friendly drag bans have been temporarily blocked in Florida, Montana, Tennessee, and Utah. Kazmarek declared the art form, vulgar and lewd, sexualized content, and claimed it encourages the sexual exploitation and abuse of children. J.T. Morris of the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression is representing the Spectrum WT student group and promises an appeal. Their statement said, Our fight for the expressive rights of these brave college students will continue. A spokesperson for West Texas A&M said they cannot comment on ongoing litigation. Kazmarek made headlines earlier this year by attempting to nationally ban the use of mifepristone, the country's most common medically-induced abortion drug. A lawsuit is challenging the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's 20-year-old approval of mifepristone and the drug's well-documented effectiveness and safety. The Supreme Court refused to stop its availability as the case continues the online news outlet Slate may have summed it up best by headlining their story on Casmeric's latest off-the-rails decision, America's worst judge
3: declares war on drag. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude. For the week ending September 23rd, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
4: News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle,
3: Produced by Brian DeShazer and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Ava Davis. Stay healthy. And I'm Marcos Najera. Stay safe. City of
1: night. City of night.
0: Hello, I'm John Ritchie, author of City of Night, and you're listening to This Way Out, the international gay and lesbian radio magazine. I hope that you do stay tuned.
3: Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter.
5: Email us at info at
3: And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org.
1: Thank you. Basically,
5: a bunch of fetish guys got together to get in some beer and some of the Gemütlichkeit, the cozy atmosphere that the Oktoberfest is so famous for. They then got so much Gemütlichkeit going that what it started out as an informal gathering grew so big that now it fills the entire Brauhausel tent, which seats 6,000.
2: Pride is on tap in Munich, later in the program. Just about every victory for LGBTQ rights comes at the climax of its own historic drama with dozens of detours and subplots along the way. Twenty years ago this month, the marriage equality storyline in Canada was poised at a frustrating turning point, and This Way Out was there.
6: It's been just just under four months since since Ontario's Court of Appeal made the province the first in Canada where same-gender couples can marry. British Columbia soon followed. Since those momentous days, there have been many highs and lows for lesbian and gay couples, increasingly passionate support for marriage from the Canadian government, intensified opposition from the religious right, and a disconcerting lack of commitment on the issue from the man expected to become the new Prime Minister early next year. Heather Kitching takes us through the latest developments in Canada's journey towards implementing full equal marriage rights.
7: The story of the summer politicking on same-sex marriage in Canada begins on June 17th, when Prime Minister Jean Chrétien announced that his government would throw in the towel in its efforts to defeat same-sex marriage in the courts. Instead of appealing, they would let stand pro-marriage decisions in Ontario and British Columbia. Furthermore, he said his government would draft legislation opening marriage to same-sex couples across the country. Chrétien had a plan that would make the introduction of the legislation as palatable as possible to marriage opponents. He would send the legislation to the Supreme Court of Canada for a ruling on its constitutionality. Among other things, he'd ask the court to declare whether the bill adequately protected freedom of religion in an attempt to pacify critics who feared that churches would be forced to marry same-sex couples. He would then introduce the bill in the House of Commons and allow members of Parliament to vote their conscience on it, an unusual move. Typically, Canadian MPs are disciplined to vote along party lines. But Chrétien's plan was dealt a blow when the Supreme Court announced its timeline back in August.
0: It's pretty clear to me that the federal government was banking on the Supreme Court of Canada, cooperating with them and having the reference heard quickly, like September, Um, so that the reference could be heard, uh, decided, the bill introduced and passed through Parliament all while the current Prime Minister was still in office.
7: Douglas Elliott was the attorney for the Metropolitan Community Church in Ontario's marriage case.
0: Well, it's very clear that the Supreme Court of Canada gave the finger to the Prime Minister in the most public way over this whole process. Not just the timing of putting it over till next April when it's going to be probably either in an election or on the cusp of a federal election, but definitely after we have a new Prime Minister and perhaps a new Attorney General of Canada. But even on very small points, like all of the procedural points that the government was requesting, the Supreme Court of Canada turned them down on everything.
7: The date of the Supreme Court hearing is April 16, 2004 and the decision from the court may not happen until just before Parliament adjourns that year. That means the bill may not reach the House of Commons until next September. Meanwhile, opponents of same-sex marriage have mobilized. A coalition of anti-gay groups declared September 1st through 7th Sanctity of Marriage Week and held prayer vigils at the offices of members of Parliament, some of which drew hundreds of protesters, others where protesters were outnumbered by media. In August, the group drew several thousand demonstrators to a protest on Parliament Hill. Members of Parliament have reported that their offices are swamped with letters and petitions against same-sex marriage, far outweighing any expressions in support. And one Catholic leader even suggested that Prime Minister Jean Chrétien would literally go to hell over the bill. Amid the controversy, the man expected to become the next Prime Minister, Paul Martin, has come across less than enthusiastic about same-sex marriage, and supporters worry that if the issue doesn't go to the House until after he is leader, its priority level may drop significantly. Increasingly, members of all the parties of the House of Commons are calling on the federal government to vote on same-sex marriage without waiting for the Supreme Court's blessing. One of those making the call is New Democratic Party leader Jack Layton, who says that even though the bill stands a chance of being defeated in the House because of all of the opposition, there is really little to lose by going to a vote now.
0: If we do lose at Parliament, we will still end up at the Supreme Court. So one way or another, we're ending up at the Supreme Court. Why not find out what the elected representatives stand for? Is it equality or is it not? And if it's not, let's throw out the ones that voted wrongly.
7: Douglas Elliott agrees.
0: I think that the reference has turned out to be a poison chalice for the government. I think they they thought it would allow them to be seen to be having Parliament decide the decision while getting the seal of approval of the Supreme Court of Canada. And it's just because of the Supreme Court of Canada interfering with their timetable, the whole thing is just blown up in their face. Um, I think that This ongoing vitriol that's coming from the religious right is extremely distressing to uh, many people in the lesbian and gay community. And I think it's socially poisonous to have this kind of thing going on for a very long time, especially when the end result really, in the long run or the short run, however you slice it, is inevitable. We are going to have same-sex marriage. So the sooner these people learn to live with it, the better.
7: The Liberal government continues to say that they will not hold a vote on the bill until after the Supreme Court has ruled on the bill next year. But their actions suggest that they may be thinking of changing course. On September 3rd, government sources told 365gay.com that they would be embarking on a major campaign to sell same-sex marriage, and it would be the biggest blitz since the last federal election.
0: I think that we're heading in the right direction.
7: On September 8th, Justice Minister Martin Cochon embarked on a hastily organized week-long tour of Canada to promote his bill to the Canadian public.
0: And those that are saying actually that we will destroy the institution, that will affect heterosexual marriage, my answer is no. Their right won't have an impact on my right. The fact that they have access to marriage we'll make sure that we're going to have a more open and generous institution. And if you have a more open and generous institution, your institution is by far stronger.
7: Speaking at the University of British Columbia on September 11th, Conchon passionately defended his bill against critics who have been saying that same-sex marriage could lead to polygamy or even legalized incestuous marriages. Cauchon now heads back to Parliament, where the House is scheduled to vote on a motion by the anti-gay Canadian Alliance Party to affirm marriage as the union of a man and a woman. Meanwhile, Canada's national queer rights lobby group, EGAL, has spearheaded the launch of a new group, Canadians for Same-Sex Marriage a coalition of groups from all walks of life uniting to lobby in favor of the marriage legislation. Already, the Canadian Federation of Students has issued a press release in support, and the group promises much more profile in the coming weeks. For This Way Out, I'm Heather Kitching in Vancouver.
2: The Canadian government finally ushered in full marriage equality almost two years later on July 20th, 2005.
3: My name is John Shellhorn from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And you are listening to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ magazine.
1: Philipp Braun von der Gemeinde der MCC in Köln, in Deutschland. Und ihr hört gerade This Way Out, das internationale lsbti radio magazine.
7: Well folks, we'll be back in a minute with more
1: excitement right after this word.
2: Queers and queers are plentiful at Munich, Germany's Oktoberfest. The 188th iteration of the world's largest folk festival, currently winding up there, has hosted several LGBTQ events. That was already a 14-year tradition when we visited Munich in 2003.
6: The first keg was tapped on September 20th and the last sold on October 5th. With its roots in the early 19th century, the Munich Oktoberfest is now a huge international festival that attracts around 6 million visitors from all over the world. It's the strong regional flavor, the Bavarian beer and the lederhosen that make the Munich model so popular. But for the last several years, distinctly different lederhosen have become an important part of the Munich Oktoberfest. Agnes Kruger reports.
5: Bavaria is big on tradition, and Bavarians wear Lederhosen without any irony. In fact, many visitors would not look out of place in the folklore parade that ushers in the Oktoberfest every year. About 8,000 people in historic costume march 6 kilometers from downtown Munich to the beer tents at the Wiesen Fairground. With its origins in the wedding of Crown Prince Ludwig and Therese von Sachsen-Hilburghausen in 1810, the beer festival is a celebration of mainstream hetero tradition. It also acts as backdrop for one of the biggest days in the gay calendar. The Oktoberfest Gay Day is the highlight of a comprehensive programme put on by the Munich Lions Club. Most people are not too sure what the Munich Lions are about.
7: Their nickname is the Lions. And so when they heard the Munich Lions Club, they thought this is a football fan club instead of the leather fetish skate club.
5: The Munich Lions now embrace all sorts of fetish variations and combinations. Army, skin, rubber, workman's clothes, and at this time of year, also lederhosen. Herbert Saskowski is a board member.
1: Man ist halt einfach vom Club her. Haben sich halt einige Leute gesagt: Ach, gehen wir mal nachmittags auf die Wiesen. Basically,
5: a bunch of fetish guys got together to get in some beer and some of the Gemütlichkeit, the cozy atmosphere that the Oktoberfest is so famous for. They then got so much Gemütlichkeit going that what had started out as an informal gathering grew so big that now it fills the entire breuroseltent tent which seats six thousand. There are 14 tents on the Wiesel, and on the Gay Day, the Breuerosel is remarkably fuller than the other beer tents. Bavaria is Germany's cradle of conservatism and is such hardly the easiest place to be gay. So for a fetish club to fill a whole Oktoberfest tent is quite remarkable. To be precise, the actual fetish section comprised about five to six hundred men and was confined to the balcony. Even though the main tent was absolutely packed, the atmosphere was so relaxed that even the bar staff remarked that it was much less aggressive than on the other days. They play
1: a couple of uh, very traditional Bavarian songs, and they also mix it with uh, music from the charts because people like like it to sing uh, to uh, to uh, yeah yeah what we call schunkeln here. I think it's impossible to translate it into English. It's just, yeah, moving a little bit. Yeah,
5: and it seems to be really successful, like people standing on the... On the standing on the
1: benches and, and uh, dancing a little bit, because it's a limited space, so you have to <laughs> be very careful. Sometimes people miss the benches.
5: Thousands of gay men and the odd woman here and there, drinking the specially brewed beer, singing and chunkling along to the music. No wonder that the atmosphere grew warmer and warmer.
1: I think it's accepted that you take off your shirts, but uh, nothing more. So you have to wear your pants um, and not expose anymore. Because we're still in the public. We still have to obey some official rules. Have some fun within the rules.
5: And looking around the masses of men. Good-looking men, muscular men, normal men. Men talking, laughing, drinking, hugging, kissing. Men just having a good time and being at ease it's not hard to see what makes the gay day so popular. It is the gemütlichkeit that embraces lederhosen and fetish gear side by side and attracts visitors from all over the world.
0: I was here three years ago for Oktoberfest with some friends of mine. It was gay day Oktoberfest, but in a much smaller tent than this tent. And um, we had such a wonderful time that in all the places we've ever traveled, and we travel a lot together, my friends and I. We wanted to come back here one more time. And so we're here again, and it's crazy.
5: Is there anything like that in the States that you've been to? Or anywhere else in the world for that matter?
0: No, nothing even close. It's interesting because although this whole section's gay, um, there's a lot of a mixed crowd in here, but everybody's having a good time,
7: and it's nice.
5: Even the mayor stopped by the Breuerose. As it happened, it was on the Oktoberfest Gay Day that the Bavarians re elected the conservative CSU in their regional parliament, and Bavaria is still in arch conservative hands. But for 14 years now, the Oktoberfest Gay Day has been growing bigger and stronger. As Friedi Weiler, a farmer from the outskirts of Munich, says, that one day, once a year, it just. Had to be
3: there. I'm
5: Agnes Kruger in Munich for This Way Out.
2: Oktoberfest 2023 included Gay Sunday, followed by the two-day Rossi Montauk at the Browse, Prav Wiesin in the Armbustutzen tent on September 24th, and Prosecco Wiesen in the Fisher of Ronny on September 25th. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Newswap was recorded this week by Ava Davis and Marcos Nahara and produced by Brian DeShazer. Our archival correspondents were Heather Kitchen and Agnes Kruger. You heard music by The Doors, the Marshall Tucker Band, and from The Music Man and A Child's Garden of Grass. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks Margaret Roberts and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. Ask us for more information. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media. Email us at info at thiswayout.org or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For Associate Producer, Lucia Chappelle, and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Thanks for listening. Online at thiswayout.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on K-O-O-P, Austin, Texas, W-L-R-I, Christiana, Pennsylvania, BridgeRadioPA.com, over Andover, New Brunswick, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.